Hello. 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 And welcome to Mobilize. Mobilize is a podcast that puts a spotlight on and is a resource for people, people, friends, communities, communities activists, activists who've decided to stand up, resist, 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 fight back, mobilize. Each day, together, together, we shine a light on the we truth. Shine a light on the we truth. focus on the things that unite us. We pull each other up. We celebrate, we celebrate our, our shared humanity. humanity. Episode 13, Rise and Resist. In this episode of Mobilize, Corey sat down with Rolf Courtney, a local computer network engineer, to talk about his protest during Trump's first visit back to New York City after his inauguration. A protest that became a message to Trump and the world that he is not welcome in his hometown. So, can you introduce yourself, tell me who you are and, and what you do? Hi, I'm Rolf Courtney. Professionally, I'm a computer network engineer and a project manager. And how do you spell your name? W-R-O-L-F as in Frank. And what I've been spending a lot of my time on recently is different forms of resistance. Specifically, the big thing that I did recently was arrange for a warm welcome for Donald Trump when he came to New York City to the Intrepid. A warm welcome. I like that. We actually called ourselves Operation Welcome Wagon. (laughs) That's great. So who is we? Oh, a bunch of people called Rise and Resist who meet every Tuesday at the Church of the Village in Greenwich Village. They're one of the many resistance groups that have sprung up since the election. So let's start from the beginning. What made you determined to even start organizing in the first place? Well, I am very dismayed by his anti-immigrant stuff. I am an immigrant, and although these issues don't affect me personally, they affect so many people. The stuff about healthcare, that he was going to go along with the right wing and demolish the Affordable Care Act, chucking, according to the Congressional Budget Office, 24 million people off health insurance, that to me is an appalling prospect. The attempt to assault the rights of the LGBTQ community, it's appalling. These are human rights. But what really gets my goat is back in 94, as part of becoming an American citizen, I swore to defend the Constitution and laws of the United States. And this guy is a traitor. He's been financed by Russian money. I believe the Steele dossier, he's on the take. Before the the election of Trump, had you been very politically active? Uh, not really. Sipping Chardonnay with friends in Park Slope, you know, complaining about whatever the New York Times was complaining about. I did do one thing for Obama where I organized like carpooling and train rides in the 2008 election. What was your first act of resistance? Was it this demonstration against Trump coming to the Intrepid or had you become involved beforehand? I was involved with the Get Organized Brooklyn people. I think that they're doing good stuff. The angle that I was initially working on was trying to do outreach between red and blue communities and start trying to get to know each other better. 
start pen pal programs or school visits and stuff like that. I still think that that kind of healing is necessary, but I don't think it's going to happen for a while. So I kind of moved my focus off of that. This is the first thing that I've really been involved in other than going down for the Women's March. So what about Trump coming to New York made you say, okay, that's enough. I have to do something. I just saw it as an opportunity to really let loose and vent. Trying to say to the rest of America, you know, he's not welcome in his hometown. We've had to live with him all this time. He's a crook and a liar. How did you come to organize this big protest? Somebody sent me a news article, a link to a news article from Palm Beach, where the reporter was saying, oh, he's coming to Mar-a-Lago this weekend, and had a link to the FAA site showing flight plans for the president. And I was like, oh, wow, this local reporter has really keyed me in on something. I could, even if he does like a snap visit to New York City, these postings of temporary flight restrictions, where they block off airspace just for the president, get published one to three days in advance. If I just continually monitor this site, I'll know when he's coming. So I was like asked different friends and I was involved in the Get Organized Brooklyn and people there said, well, no, we probably wouldn't be a good group to try to stage an event, but why don't you talk to the people at Rise and Resist? Because they're very into staging protests. So I went to Rise and Resist. They have their weekly meeting on Tuesdays in the village and was immediately made welcome. And I thought that I was going to go and tell some organizer type, you know, about my little discovery. And they'd say, thank you very much. We'll take it from here. But instead, they said, thank you very much. That's a really good idea. Why don't you get up in front of the assembled people and propose an action? And you're it. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, <laughs> hopefully there'll be some help because I've never done anything like this before. All right. You got up in front of Rise and Resist, made your pitch, and just tell me the story of how things unfolded from there. So I already told a couple of people who were there who were more committed organizers, central figures, that when I started communicating on Facebook... And they'd encouraged me to stand up in front of the whole group and, and propose an action. I asked for anybody who'd be interested in helping me on this. And a bunch of people held up their hands and we had like an after meeting thing. One person who's been extremely supportive offered her apartment as a place for us to meet. Beautiful apartment up on Central Park West. Can you explain the organization process a little bit more? So you had these meetings where you talked about what? What did you talk about exactly? We discussed whereabouts. We assumed that he would be going to Trump Tower. So we were talking about where should we position people to make sure that we confronted him visually. We were planning out things like, should we have signs? What should we put on the signs? The issue at the time was immigration, so we decided on immigrants, yes, Trump, no, as our message. We talked a lot about how we would try to set up and be ready to have a protest in a can, ready to pour out on 12 hours notice. There are people within Rise and Resist who do banners. There are people who do graphical design. So all of those kinds of mechanical, logistical details were the kinds of things we were discussing with the assumption that we would have very little time and we had to have everything already ready. We thought that sooner or later he would wind up coming to New York. Well, we weren't ready, but Sean Spicer made an announcement and he made an announcement over a week before Trump was going to come to New York. 
So that's very interesting. So you made a decision before Trump even decided to come to New York. Yeah. How long were you organizing before he made the announcement that he'd actually be coming here? Only about three weeks, but it was enough that we had pretty much thought of everything that we were going to do. That's awesome. Okay. You'd been organizing for three weeks and then you all of a sudden find out, okay, it's happening. It's game time. What happened from there? Very fortunately, I fell sick. I was like coughing like a dog. I was really incapacitated. I was still able to like drag myself to my keyboard and email. When I wasn't making myself tea to calm my throat, I was promoting the event on Facebook. The press release went through a lot of revisions. Some of the press release was very easy because people had spent a lot of time putting together a mission statement. So let's break it down a little bit. What are all the different things? You're talking about a press release. You're talking about social media. What are all the different things that you had to consider to make this event a success? It turned out to be simpler than I thought. The first thing is to consider the audience and the messaging. That may take the most time. Everybody needs to be heard. Everybody needs to feel their way so that there's a consensus. You have to have a clear message. You can't just have a laundry list of things because when somebody puts a microphone in front of you at a demo, you've got to be able to answer, why are you here? Why are you doing this? We also had coalition groups. We had the Refuse Fascism people. There's a lot of overlap between Refuse Fascism and Rise and Resist. Some of them come to our meetings and they were like, oh, they're already working on it. Okay, whatever you're doing, we'll be there. So that brings me to the next point. You know, Rise and Resist and everybody, they've been staging a lot of protests and they've been very visible. Do you feel like it's been effective? Do you feel like it's changing the national conversation or the international conversation? I think it is changing the national conversation. I think that, to use a very American analogy, our protest at the Intrepid was a single, battered in, in a season. So I, I think it was a win. It's one of many. And the objective is to try to persuade the great American public and is to try to persuade Republicans who are going along with Trump because they think that he's successful. Therefore, if they go against him, they'll only get massacred. Their fortunes will suffer. And to start saying, well, you know, dictators actually rest on this belief that you got to go along with them because they're successful and that it'll hurt you if you don't go along with them. I think that now they're starting to be some cracks in the facade and confronting Trump when he came to his hometown I think is single batted in four singles is an RBI <laughs> and um, how many people would you say attended the protest at the Intrepid well there were two groups there was the Rise and Resist that was below the Intrepid at 44th Street and there was the coalition led by the Working Families Party that marched down from 54th Street down I would say that there were probably a thousand people there about a thousand. a thousand people came to 44th Street. The Working Families Party probably had about 5,000. You say it so nonchalantly, oh, a thousand people, that's nothing. I mean, that's a lot of people. How did you keep people informed, number one? And number two, how did you get a thousand people to come out on a work day in the middle of the day? It's all Facebook all the way. I put a Facebook page, promoted that event to a couple of pages that I belong to, the Get Organized Brooklyn, the Rise and Resist, a couple more. Sharing of the event really only started taking off the day before. Most people don't plan a week in advance that they're going to go to an event. They start thinking about it the day before. 
I put together a little PHP uh, little script that could take the data from a Google form and strip out everything but the cell phone number and send out a text message with that. So when I was having people sign up on Facebook, I was suggesting that they go to a Google form and sign up there, which gave me a better idea of how many people were going to attend. But also by collecting their email address in that week before the event, I could give them updates as I got them. And then on the day of the event, I could use this texting program that I wrote to give them updates. And it was 20 bucks to send out an update to 500 people. So 500 people signed up for this? Yeah. Wow. That's just the people who signed up for texting. Some of those people were like reporters and so on who just wanted to keep their finger on the pulse. But wow, 500 people trusted you with their phone numbers. I mean, that's impressive. Yes, I guess a lot of people did take off early from work. Or some people just decided to come late because he kept changing his plans and eventually came only at about 7 o'clock even though our meet time, based on the FAA stuff, was for three o'clock. So we were kind of standing there for four hours before anybody turned up. So he came at seven o'clock and you were ready for him and he got a welcome. How long did he actually stay in New York and did he see the protesters? Yeah, he especially saw the protesters who met him at the heliport. That was uh, a little, um, they didn't get arrested, but they were... In general, the cops don't arrest us unless we refuse to move when we're trespassing. One of our protesters at Trump Tower, who wasn't thinking that she would get arrested, got arrested for littering. She printed up a whole load of copies of the First Amendment on rainbow-colored paper, and she dropped them from one of the balconies, and they floated down in Trump Tower, and it was very, very nice. They gave her a summons, and they arrested her for littering. But, but in general, the cops really are on our side. We're not being confrontational with the cops. They understand that we've got our point of view, that we have our First Amendment rights, and they are not picking a side. They are picking the side of, we want law and order, we want to regulate the time, manner, and place, and as long as you do that, you will be fine. And even if you're trespassing or whatever, then if you stop when we tell you to stop, leave when we tell you to leave, then we won't arrest you. Did you find that some of the police were sympathetic to the protests at all? Or did they kind of stay neutral or decline to give their opinions? In general, they had a job to do. I had a job to do. So mostly I didn't have a chance to really talk to them. But I did have one conversation with a cop when I was explaining about Rosneft, the Russian oil and gas giant, moving 19.5% of its shares into a holding company in the Cayman Islands to be like a payoff to Trump. And he was like, oh, really? And you can hear the wheels in his mind going, follow the money. This is something that he could see from his perspective as really, really being something that was changing his mind about this guy Trump. For you personally, how do you feel about the protest in its conclusion? And has it changed the way that you are going to continue organizing in the future? I am going to continue with going on Rise and Resist marches and demonstrations and whatever is the next thing is, I think, is the March for Truth and all of that kind of stuff. Will I organize demos myself? Maybe if one falls to me or I'll be on the affinity group that builds consensus and tries to be like the action group for an action. 
I've been made kind of part of a family with Rise and Resist, and I think that between the action at the Intrepid, the action that we helped out with for New Jersey at Bedminster, our action at Trump Tower with the sit-in, the 100 Days of Failure, the Coffin, I think that all of these have been, what in baseball, they've been singles in a whole season. No one of them is going to bring down the Trump regime. But I think that we're starting to see cracks. I really like that. You said you found a family with Rise and Resist. What do you say to people who are in rural areas, red states, where Rise and Resist isn't just around the corner? What's your advice to those people? There are more of you than you think. Back in the days of the Obama 2008 campaign, I was doing canvassing, going door to door. I organized a whole bunch of people, 300 people to come with me to go down to Philadelphia to knock on doors. And at one point somebody said, oh, you want to be careful walking around this particular cul-de-sac. You know, there's this guy who's the local deputy sheriff and, you know, everybody here is Republicans and he's a Republican and he tells everybody what to do. And I looked at my little walk sheet, which in Pennsylvania, what your party affiliate is is public information. So we had this information on our sheets. I was like, you know, everybody on this cul-de-sac, except for this one guy who you said terrorizes you, is registered as Democrat. There are more of you than you think. Sign up with Indivisible. There are more of you than you think, and your impact can be more than you think. That's great. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Mobilize. To share your story, go to mobilizehere.com.